I'm Lights Camera Jackson, and this is the LCJ Q&A Podcast. You can also read these interviews at animationscoop.com. I have been waiting for this show for years, and it is finally here. Agent Elvis, this Friday, March 17th on Netflix. Joining me, Joe Runner, head writer, EP, Mike Arnold, and co-show runner, EP, and writer, John Eddy. Guys, welcome to the LCJ Q&A. Thanks, man. So glad to have the both of you here. This show has had a lot of buzz for several years. I'm thrilled that everyone gets to finally see it starting this Friday. Mike, let me start with you. When did it go from just being a dream to a dream come true? Oh, I will say that, you know, all along we were incredibly excited just with the with the with the nugget, the core principle of super cool Elvis character with a coked up monkey with a shotgun next to him. You're kind of half the way there once you start there. And um, really, I think John and I got particularly excited when Matthew came on board and just brought his particular sensibility, his just effortless swagger and his own form of awesome, you know, to the project. And um, it really kind of rolled really fast from there. And uh, that was sort of the moment. Cool. Matthew McConaughey voices secret agent Elvis Presley. It is so fun. The show is outrageous. It's energetic as heck. I love it. And and John, we begin in 1968. What yes. did you enjoy the most about using the late 60s, early 70s time period and this time in Elvis's career? Well, you know, the whole show follows almost like a Forrest Gump timeline in that we hit historical markers and anything that ever happened in history, Elvis is a part of. And so we started with 68 because we really wanted to get to the inspiration for the show, which was when Elvis met Nixon, where he wanted to be a DEA agent. So that was always our cornerstone, our touchstone to get to. So 68, the comeback special, it was just, and it's also when Elvis looked his most badass he was in great shape. He had the sideburns. He had the black leather. You know, he looked like a superhero. Just, you know, that's when he started wearing capes, you know. So it's like it's it's it kind of fit in perfectly for what we were going for. It's so perfect. You're right. The capes and that fascination with Elvis and Nixon. Obviously, there was a mu movie of that a few years ago. And one of the most uh, popular pictures of all time photographs is Elvis and, and Nixon together. So I think anyone fascinated with that and fascinated with history will love this show. And what's really interesting as well is how you use the music. Mike, how did you want to use Elvis's music in, and incorporate it in appropriate ways throughout the episodes? Well, you know, sometimes it was a, it was an easier call than others. Like Viva Las Vegas, we have an episode two that's centered on Vegas. So some of Elvis's music fit absolutely perfectly. But the more we went from episode to episode, we were looking for the one with the right vibe. And we said, which one feels like it's giving us the sense of this episode? And Elvis's catalog just runs the entire spectrum. So there was always something available. You know, and it was really hard to pick at one point. But um, and that that's part of what the show hopefully accomplishes is introducing Elvis music to a younger generation. We also like, you know, we we try to there's there's the greatest hits in there too, but we also look for some more obscure Elvis songs in some of the episodes. And we use other music time time period appropriate music like Bowie and the Doors. So it's it's we, we it's it, it's there for Elvis fans, but there's also other music that's setting the tone of the show. Yeah, yeah, you incorporate it really, really well. I mean, I grew up with Lilo and Stitch. So Elvis was a part of my life for a very young age, obviously with animation as well. And you're right, this new generation of young adults uh, who will get into this show will love the music. And it's amazing Priscilla Presley is a part of this as a co-creator and she voices herself. So John, was it 
intimidating to go along this journey with Priscilla Presley? Well, yeah, when I, I pitched her in Germany, the idea back in 2012, and that's how long a journey it's been. And and but she's a you know she is an actor, she's a creative. She was in all the Naked Gun movies. Elvis was a big fan of comedy. He's a big Monty Python fan. He's a big Mel Brooks fan. So she, she understands the comedy, and I, I think that's the you know she you know had approval all throughout. She was very helpful in creating, setting up the world in the beginning. And I think the, the, one of the coolest things about Priscilla is that she let the writers, she let Mike and me, she let us really explore this fictional version of Elvis. Because yes, it's it's definitely cutting edge. It's edgy. It's over the top. It's a wild ride. And I'm, I, she was very supportive in our artistic endeavors of it, you know. And I think she had fun in the booth when we yeah. were recording her. She she was having a good time, and that's always important. She was enjoying herself, and it was a fun character for her to do. Oh, that's that's great to hear that she had that approval through all steps of this process and voicing herself, an icon voicing yourself. I'm so glad. I'm sure you guys will have those memories for the rest of your lives of, of someone like her being in the booth. Absolutely. Absolutely. And there were a couple moments where like, like George Clinton's in the show, he's voicing himself. That was wild. You know, we, we, we were very fortunate to get a number of people to come in and say, Hey, we just want you to do you. And uh, it was part of some fun flavor of the show. Our cast yeah. is, I mean, we have such a great cast. I mean, like we have a great cast for a blockbuster movie and it's, you know, it's like in terms of an animated show, I just think it's unheard of how cool our cast is. At least that, I, I want to think that anyway. John and I agree. Thousand percent on that one. <laughs> we, have the, we have the best cast. Yeah. yeah, blockbuster cast for a blockbuster experience. Agent Elvis is on Netflix this Friday. I've got Mike and John here with me on the LCJ Q and A podcast. Of course, leading the cast is Matthew McConaughey. He puts so much thought into his performances, not only the live action ones, but animation with the Sing movies and Kubo and the Two Strings. So, Mike, what do you think in working with him fascinated Matthew McConaughey about the King? I think. A big part of it was the responsibility. He said, okay, you're going to be the first person to ever voice this character in an animated setting. And I think he loves a challenge like that. And I know for a fact how long he spent trying to perfect his version of it uh, to try to get what he would call like the music of Elvis's voice in every line. And to make it sound just like that wonderful kind of swagger rhythm. You know, John has said many times that one of the interesting things is you're watching it and you quickly forget that it's it's just Matthew. It just feels right. Like you're suddenly sucked in by it, even though he's not doing an Elvis imitation, which we never wanted. Um, we wanted him to bring his own sensibilities to it. And I think it's that challenge of being the guy who voiced Elvis was very appealing for him. You're right that it just feels right. When the first clip came out and then I was able to watch the first few episodes of this and I cannot wait to watch the rest. And yeah. you're right. It just feels right. So great job working with him and, and getting him to, to do he's, this. He's got that Matthew McConaughey cool. It's It's got the same kind of cool that Elvis has. And when he brings it to it, it's like it feels you, you go past the fact that it's Matthew McConaughey and it's his character, but it exudes Matthew and Elvis at the same time, I think. And none of it's manufactured. You know, as I've said before, Matthew is cool as shit in reality. And he, and so it's because it's so effortless that I think it, it played so wonderfully uh, in this show. There is such cool cinematic slick action and movement. John, take me through some of the decisions of the way we get the movement of the action scenes and just the show in general. Well, I, th I think, you know, back when you said what was the moment that the show came together, to, like to Mike's, when Mike said Matthew came on board, but early on when Rob Valley did the character designs, 
it's like that pretty much set the tone for the whole world. You know, it's like we we started building the world around what uh, Rob Valley and he was. We, you know, we looked at a couple of as soon as we saw Rob Valley's designs, it's that's it. You know, so I think that really helped. And then Fletcher Mullis, who was is a, a co executive producer. He was, and he did the intergalactic movie. He directed the intergalactic on Netflix. He was very instrumental in setting up the idea of we were trying to capture the movies and the from the seventies, like the grindhouse movies, the you know the you know the the rich colors and the graininess of the thing. So there's a lot of thought that that goes into it that you'd be better off talking to an animator about. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's like but all I know is we were in the good hands with Fletch and Rob Valley yeah. and and the people at Sony, and then on to Titmouse. I mean, everyone involved, you know, the directing, everyone involved did such an amazing job. I talked with Fletcher when Intergalactic came out, and I said to him that I thought Intergalactic, and I, I still think it is one of the most unique and grounded animation and romance experiences ever. If you have not watched. Intergalactic yet do this with a double double feature with with Agent Elvis because uh, amazing unique experience. Yeah, I, it was like an animated rom com that was just beautiful. I mean, it's just beautifully yeah. done. And Fletch yeah. is an artist like that. Absolutely. So. Obviously, Baz Luhrmann's Elvis movie has been a phenomenon culturally for the last nine months. So, Mike, when the movie was coming out, and there were trailers out and and commercials and the movie being released in theaters. What kind of feelings did seeing all of that in the movie itself give you as you were putting this series together? Well, first, it was exciting um, because overall, any as Elvis became more present in everybody's consciousness, we felt that was a, a, a big benefit to the show. And also, at the same time, we were doing something very different. And um, as John pointed out, you know, we have a fictional Elvis. We're not trying to portray the actual Elvis. It's sort of like the version we like to think Elvis would have thought of himself as an action hero. So it was great. And, you know, we know that Boz was very excited about the show, which our show that we were doing. So that was also great. And so it was sort of, we felt like a, in a way, a sort of tandem effort without deliberately tying hands. We go, it helps us, it helps him. And it's just this tidal wave of Elvis that, that we really wanted to be a part of. And obviously when you have a studio like Sony Pictures Animation behind this, the studio behind Spider-Verse, we all can't wait for the next Spider-Verse movie to come out in, in three months. I have felt that Sony, since open season, their first film in 2006, has been a place of bold, creative storytelling. John, for you, when you think about your partnership with Sony, what are the words and emotions that come to you? Pretty much what you said in, in the fact that Priscilla and I, when we first pitched it, Sony Animation was the first place we pitched it to. And we felt immediately like they were willing to, like we always said, there's a stupid version of this show and a cool version of the show. And we all were very dedicated to make the cool version. And Sony got that. They were very supportive every step along the way from Sony then to Netflix. We've always been supported in like making this show to what it should be. Not, you know, like not just doing a show with Elvis fighting bad guys. Like, you know, we, we there's a lot of thought and a lot of layers to it. And Sony was always supportive. And then Netflix was too. You can tell how much thought is put into this show. When you see your version of the comeback special, what's interesting is you use something like the comeback special and you have the action that comes in, but also you're doing shot by shot recreations of some of these iconic moments. So you're putting your spin on it, but the shot by shot was something like that daunting to make sure you got it right. 
Well, I think we were really careful, not daunting, but exciting. And, you know, we were intentional about, okay, if we use a car, let's make sure it's one of Elvis's cars. It looks like it. And we really wanted to be loyal to that. Or if we're walking around Spawn Ranch, there's that scene where you see things written on the wall. And that was going back and seeing like, what did they have spray painted everywhere? It was an exciting opportunity for us. Viewers would key on that. Certain viewers were like, oh my God, yeah, look, they got that right. I mean, that, you know, we referenced a movie in the pilot, uh, you know, the, the, the psychosexual Western where they filmed at Spawn Ranch. We go, let's get that in there. And um, let's really be kind of loyal to the times because that's fun. Sometimes it's an Easter egg. Sometimes it's just for, you know, you like to drop these things in like, hey, maybe somebody will notice it. And if they do, they'll get a kick out of it. Um, yeah. there, was a lot, there was a lot of that. We had a great sandbox to play in, in the world of Elvis. There's so many, like you said, iconic things in the world of Elvis that we could play on. But we also had the whole 60s, 70s pop culture to to intermingle with. So, And we did. We tried to keep it as, as real as... I remember one time we talked about Mad Men. I remember reading an article in Mad Men about Mad Men where if there was a pencil or pen on the desk, whether you saw it on camera or not, it had to be time error appropriate so we we obviously we had a little more leeway in animation but but you'd be surprised with how many things have to go through legal to portray on screen even as an animated image you know so but we did our best i could tell you that it was very yeah. it was a fun it was putting a puzzle piece me and mike always talked about it's putting the puzzle pieces together so it feels real yeah, you pull it off for sure. My last question to the both of you is this. When I saw the Elvis movie in June, it was a screening a couple nights before it opened. It was packed. There was a guy there who was dressed up as Elvis. And there were so many people there, uh, especially older women with T-shirts who told me they went to Graceland who love this man. What do you hope this series means to fans like them? Well, I, I personally hope that it opens up a new side of Elvis to them, you know, to to imagine him in this world and that it's exciting for for that group that you're talking about. And and my wife's aunt is the biggest Elvis fan of all time. Her, her car is full of Elvis stuff. I sent a picture of her car to John and, you know, and she is up in her 70s and uh, showed her the trailer. And she was like, oh, my God, I got to watch this. And so even though it's a very different portrayal of Elvis, I think it's exciting to that to that crowd. I think, too, for the older Elvis fans, I think the important thing to know, and I know Priscilla has has driven this home, but at, one, at our first meeting when we, we we signed the deal with Sony Animation, Jerry Schilling, who was Elvis's best friend, stood up at the table and he said, out of all the projects we've ever worked on, I think Elvis would have liked this one the best. Because, again, it wasn't just, you know, portraying him as a great music singer artist it was about letting him live his fantasy out of fighting crime and he really wanted to you know it's like so I, I always go that's the touch and always go to is that priscilla and jerry who knew elvis feel like he would like this because otherwise i'm a huge fan i would not want to do anything that you know sullied his reputation or anything like that or the, or the image of elvis and i think we've captured the rock and roll of elvis edgy for sure but i think elvis would have liked it I think so, too. I think everybody's going to love this. Agent Elvis this Friday, March 17th on Netflix. Mike Arnold, John Eddy, thank you for creating this and for being here on the LCJ Q&A podcast today. A lot of fun. Thanks, brother. Thanks, buddy. Had a good time. Thanks, guys. I'm Lights Camera Jackson. For all these episodes, go to Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and lights-camera-jackson.com. Thank you for listening to the LCJ Q&A.